Hey, this is the Dogtown Studio Podcast, episode eight. I'm Robbie. And I'm Tito. And what's up? Thank you for listening to this. Um, so for those of you who are new, th- the way that we do this podcast is every every week we switch off. I'll, I'll come to it with some forethought and some planned out stuff to talk about one week. And then the next week, Tito will come to it with planned out kind of like a lesson plan or like a, you yeah. know, a little... Okay, this is what's going to happen. It's like a show and tell. Yeah, it's show. Yeah, that's a perfect way to say it. Show yeah. and tell. And so, this this week was is similar to that in a way, but it's also a little bit different because we, I told we had talked about this idea before, so I told them, okay, let's do the the thing that we talked about, and um, so we both come came to it with a little bit of uh, preparation, and so the the format that we want to do for this episode is basically like talk about who. Um, our our like dream wish list of people that we would want to interview for this podcast, right? Um, because yeah, it'd be awesome to like have people on the podcast, and if we could have anybody on, who would it be? And so basically, it's going to be a, us talking through um, just people who have been like creatively inspirational to us, or people that we find like interesting, or who have similar kind of. Um, similar kind of perspectives or perspectives that we find interesting or would want on the podcast. So um, I think that we both have kind of like a few like heavy hitters of like, yes, this person. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, and then there's also people like, Oh, you know, this person like would be awesome too. Right. Like runner up. Right. Yeah. And it, there's like, there's so many different people that we would, love to get on the podcast right yeah and i think this kind of conversation is more of there's certain things that we find through either a video a youtube video Mm -hmm. or a book um very much like our other episodes where we talk about a specific quote Mm -hmm. we find all these little nuggets right yeah and in us sharing them on this podcast they they create like almost this list of people Mm-hmm. that we want to so like through through sharing this list of people we want to talk about yeah it's also hopefully giving people these golden nuggets of like things to look look at exactly and yeah for. and that's what that's like yeah. one of the main reasons that i had big time wanted to do this as a format for a podcast because mm-hmm. then it's like even if you don't give it even if you don't care at all about what robbie and tito think and what they're you know going through yeah. their mind at least you can end this podcast with like a list of like quite a few people who are like oh I should go check out that YouTube video of this person and I could go, you know, listen to this or yeah. w- read this book from this person. And so hopefully like we can just give people like this, like, you know, collector's chest worth of yeah. really cool, you know, things. That yeah. It's just like a curated kind yeah. of list of Robbie and Tito's mixtape mixtape. Yeah. yeah. And it's not all of it, but it's just some of the things that we're thinking about. Yeah, totally. So, okay. First track. Uh, okay, and so I think at the um, <laughs> nice. also and at the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, at the I think that I want to um, save a person. I have my person in mind for this, but this is this is news to Tito. I haven't told him about this part yet. Cool. Um, I want to save a person for like a a kind of like shoot for the moon. Like if this person, if we get this person on our podcast, then that's like a a big deal. That's like kind of like something that we'll freak like out about. Whoa, yeah. Because like. Um, there's this person, Matt Diavella, who has a creativity podcast that I like, and he, his, his thing for his podcast is always like get the rock, like Dwayne, the rock Johnson on Matt's podcast. And he has like, you know, like a Twitter page and like a, a website set up dedicated to like get the rock on Matt's podcast.com or whatever. Mm. And I was like, it'd be funny if we had a person like that. Do you know what I mean? Of like the rock caliber. Yeah. Who was like, that would be like our, we made it person, <laughs> you know? I know who, who my like person to think of, of that caliber is. There's a few. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and you well, can rearrange your, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have to be like a very, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the most insightful person. Right. But, but someone like that the, would be like, a, a like, oh wow. my gosh, this is crazy that we're interviewing this yeah. person type person, you know? Right. Um, Okay. So first track, my first track on the mixtape of of people to talk about and who I would love to talk to um, is Steve Albini. 
you know Steve Albini, the uh, producer? Producer, okay. yeah, yeah, producer, engineer. Um, so Steve Albini has been in band. He's been doing music for for a really long time and, and been in a lot of influ- influential not only has he done a lot of influential producing and recording and engineering, but he's also been in some really influential bands like this band, um, big black he was in, in the like eighties. And then another band called shellac. He was also in, I think he might even still play with them at times, but, um, anyways, he, I just think has so many really good insights up, up cause he's a very principled person and he will, um, he he's the type of person the reason that i think that he would be great to have onto our podcast is because he does things um very much driven out of principle not just out of that's the way that it's always been done or that's the way that it should be done or has to be done or whatever okay um especially in relating to like the music industry or whatnot um i was i was listening to this um audiobook called our band could be your life by michael azarad um i think that's how you pronounce it i'm not sure but one of the chapters is about um, is about Steve Albini's band and in the uh, and it's about I think it's his first band or one of his first bands called Big Black and it's talking about how every aspect of his relation of Steve Albini's relationship to the music business was something that was completely thought out and completely like this is how I want to do it and I don't want to just you know go down this road that's well trodden by people trying to be stars or whatever mm-hmm. he's every aspect of anything that he signed or didn't sign especially like didn't he, he has like a reputation for like almost never signing anything okay <laughs> he's very strict about that um as far as like contracts like or contracts or, or like does he like he's very very um hesitant to put his name onto things and to um into yeah to like sign things or get like locked into okay. those type of deals or contracts or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a, just really, so even from way back then, he has a lot of interesting um, stuff where you can see that that's really where he's coming from. This isn't, you know, this isn't something that he's just like talking about once he, after he got famous to start to give himself some credits, like, no, this is where he's always been from. And um, yeah, so and so then he, throughout the 90s, went out to be a really amazing producer. One of the things he's, that I first learned about him from was producing In Utero from Nirvana. Okay. Um, and working with a ton of other amazing bands. Um, just so many. And anyways, so he, what I, the, the main thing that I would tell people to go to the thing i guess the track that i would put from him on this mixtape would be the um face the music keynote that he did in 2000 let me see what year it was um 2014 so if you go on youtube and just type steve albini face the music keynote it'll pop up and um it's so good i think i'm have i have you seen this it looks like this I might have seen a portion I, of it. I think I, I think I sent it to you at one time in our lives okay. because I was like, oh, my gosh, this. And um, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. He. um, he, Yeah. He, What's it called again? It's called um, Face Face the Music 2014 Keynote Address Steve Albini. Yeah. Um, and he what he what he kind of addresses in this keynote is like, just go watch it because I think I, I feel like I'm going to like do it a disservice by like trying to sum it up. And it's, it's really worth watching the whole thing because it's like yeah. the summary of it would be, you know, an adequate summary of it would be like 50 minutes, which is how long the thing is. So go and just watch that. Right. Um, but it's about, he, he takes the, um, the kind of, uh, approach that like the, the death of the music industry and like the state of the music industry right now or the state of the state of music right now, not necessarily Just the general. music industry, but the state of like where we're at as bands is actually pretty awesome. Mm. And, um, and he's, he kind of talks about the, the death of the like traditional music industry. And, um, but he actually talks about that in like a, it's not in a way where it's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing because he goes through and explains from firsthand experience how the music industry worked 
for him as a band in the 80s before streaming before the internet Mm -hmm. and um and just explaining how the um how there were so many ways that that industry would would take from the bands and would just really mistreat bands in the traditional record industry oh yeah and the bands had no other way to yeah income because they're locked into this like Mm -hmm. it's like exclusive deal yeah where they pretty much are owned by the label Mm -hmm. right yeah and um and one of the other things that he that he mentions that it is like along that same line like a lot of the bands in the um you know 60s 70s 80s when um he said most bands at that time lived their entire existence birth to death and never recorded a single note of their music and um and that's something that i didn't think about i kind of like take that for granted now but um but he kind of explains it as like yeah it's amazing that we're like all these bands are now able to record their music and to not only that but get to make it listenable to people Mm. and so from the point of view of like okay as a band who your goal is to make music and make it listening to listenable to people like that is we're in a pretty awesome place to do that yeah Uh, but from the point of view of like you're a you know you're one of the you know somebody who's a pencil pusher for a a huge music label like okay you're not in a good position like the death of the music industry has probably meant like your job got cut or whatever Mm -hmm. but he but steve albini kind of puts it like for you know for the people in the actual bands it's like you're he just listen to it listen to this for the actual people who are creating the music that yeah that gets sold in this like gets sold and gets heard by a lot of people Mm mm-hmm it's beneficial to the actual creators and not yeah and to the fans he says too right yep yep exactly but if you're somebody who's trying to take advantage of bands and make your living off of bands without doing anything then it's like you're kind of more fucked than you were in the 90s right and is is he is he saying that uh is it because of streaming or is it or is it like the technology of streaming accessibility yeah i don't yeah i think that it's just like you're he focuses a lot on like blogs and like how people's individual like tastes can be um can find other compatible people through blogs and through those type of things mm-hmm. um he doesn't necessarily go into streaming that much um but but yeah he yeah it's just, it's just worth listening i feel like i'm kind of like tiptoeing because it's like i feel like i can say the wrong things and talking about it because i don't know it yeah. as well as him you know what yeah. i mean he knows it right like and it's, it's so, so hard to summarize something that's just like if it has a lot of value to you yeah it's like you don't want to miss anything mm-hmm. and that's where you know a lot of the things that we talk about here it's like oh we can we can go down a whole episode where we just break down the video into yeah, different segments totally, yeah. just like you did the joseph gordon levitt yeah um but that's cool so it, he What's really interesting to me is he's a he was a producer for Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, for you to be a producer for Nirvana, yeah, they must trust you. Yeah. And for such for a band, mm-hmm. the the legend that is Nirvana. Yeah. For them to trust Steve Albini as their producer. Yeah. There's a certain relationship there that definitely. And it must, was their, he it must was, see something. Oh my, their yeah. follow up to Nevermind. Nevermind, like this like world shattering album. And like, okay, like that happened. Now you have like this band has all of the resources in the entire world, like yeah. millions and millions of dollars going into like, okay, what's your follow up going to be? Right. And that la- finds its way to Steve Albini's. Yeah, lap. I'm curious. You know that, what I mean? Like, how that And happens. it's like, yeah. And it, it was because he had earned that re- reputation by that time. And yeah. He, and it's cool because he's, he, he even currently is living and working in Chicago and he records bands for like a really affordable price. And his thing is not, Interesting. yeah, his thing is not like, I'm going to be super, you know, big shot who only produces like fucking Adele or whatever. He's like, I want to be working <laughs> with bands all the time. And I Probably want like a Rick Rubin type maybe oh is that I don't what rick know. rubin is like he's i don't know of... i don't know i don't know he's uh, he produces amazing stuff and yeah. i just don't know what his rate is no yeah okay the thing I about steve imagine, albini's band is right. like uh, steve albini's mm-hmm. engineering studio yeah. is like it's an amazing studio and his rate is like super affordable 
Wow. It's like that's just yeah. a different mentality and like the way he he's creating or oh it is it's producing. awesome and it's yeah. like and it's because it's like he does things for ba- it's like he's not doing it for his ego hmm. he's doing it because he wants bands to have good things and he wants his music his like days of his life to be filled up with yeah. making music yeah and it's so yeah so it's like I forget exactly how but it's called the electrical audio in Chicago for his for his magnitude yeah. Oh like my gosh! His yeah. rates is re- very reasonable, yep. and I don't want to speak out of turn because, like, I just put Rick Rubin, his name out there, and I really don't know how he treats his oh, artists yeah, or anything. Yeah. But I was just more speaking into like the stratosphere that these producers are at now. Oh yeah, you would imagine that they would just charge a crazy amount of money because they put they out could, all yeah. of these classics almost, mm-hmm. and and just the the experience and the time that he's put in the industry or whatever you want to call it. Right. But yeah, that's that's. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So if you're in a band and you want a really high quality, you know, recording, look up electrical audio in Chicago and it's like, a, you know, a good rate. And it's like, he must have a, some kind of selection process though, right? I, it's pretty much no. <laughs> it's wow. pretty much like, it's pretty much just like the way you book a recording session. Like if at, it's available, it's available. Yeah. Like the way you book a, a session for a studio here in Grand Rapids, it's just like, okay, Hey, like, you know, when can you get in? And it's like, yeah, he's. It's just cool. Look yeah. up Electrical Audio. Look up Steve Albini. Um, okay, that's my first yeah. track on that. That's awesome. Tape. Yep. Um, okay, so I'll go with the the ideas that I have or the people that I want to share with you guys. I've kind of broken them down into like different kind of feelings that I get whenever I listen to them or I read about them. This first one is 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 someone that I look to to get encouraged Mm. Uh, his name is austin cleon and he's like an author um poet he's a creative artist that has some books out Mm -hmm. um some of the books that let's see he has one called steal like an artist show your work and then there's a new one that he came out with i haven't read yet um and it's called keep going and then he also has some offshoot books from that oh cool and he basically to be honest, like I'm not the type to like sit down and read a book mm-hmm. that often. Yeah. Uh, there's only really been a few books that I've fully finished. I just get distracted, and even audiobooks sometimes is very mm-hmm. hard for me. Right. I consume a ton of podcasts because it's like conversational. Um, I wish I was the type to read more books, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Austin Kleon's books is awesome for me because it's it's almost like a picture book. Yeah, I I got one of his from the library recently. Yeah, and it's like a it's like square, which I like off to a good oh, yeah. start. You know, you like that? Shape? I like a square book. Really? Yeah. Why? It's just different. Okay. You know, it's a lot of rectangles. Yeah. It's good. You got a square book mm-hmm. with like half the pages are like pictures or like yeah. big worded sentences. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all those books, all the three books that I just said, the Steal Like an Artist, Show Your Work, and the new one, Keep Going, it's a square book, but I feel like a lot of creative people could benefit from reading this stuff because one, it's Mm -hmm. easy, it's digestible. Mm -hmm. And then it just, there's concepts on there that like as creative people, it's just, he gets it. Mm. Um, And there's ways that he goes about talking about each subject when it comes to like, when you have a creative block, Mm -hmm. how to kind of deal with that. Or, different ways to go about showing your work mm-hmm. and what that might mean using your inspiration so like the book called steal like an artist yeah it, it's like we're kind of like this mix of all of our influences mm-hmm. and how do you use that and not like be a like just copying yeah you know how to be original with your inspirations i guess yeah um and I guess just to share one of the yeah. little pictures or images. Yeah, this thing is awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because he actually didn't think of it. Oh, really? Yeah. It, he has a asterisk on the bottom of this like image. Um, it says, stolen from my friend Maureen McHugh. So it's kind of like this line graph where the title of the graph is called The Life of a Project. 
right? So I'm trying to, I'm going to try to visualize yeah, it for okay, you guys. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, so you have a line graph, right? Where the first point is very high. Yeah. And that very high point is, this is the best idea ever. Mm-hmm. So like when you think of an idea, at first you're like pumped yeah. and you're excited about like, this is going to be like groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so the line graph starts at that very high point. Yeah. And it seems like always, at least for me, it starts trending downwards very quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's where this line graph is going is trending downwards. So the next point, which is lower, is... So the f- the top one is this is the best idea ever. Yeah, you're like freaking out. You're like, yeah. Okay, you Amazing. can't wait. Yeah. Just, and then the next point. Next point going down is, okay, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. All right, which is true. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's like when you yep. first start. You're like, okay, this is okay, it's not going to be yeah. easy. It's yeah. Just, keep going, but... But still kind of excited about yeah. it. Yeah. And then the next going down even further, this is going to take some work. It's like mm-hmm. when you realize the moment where you're like, my ideas are great, but it's going to actually take all of this finesse to kind of like yeah. make it happen. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is this sucks and it's boring. <laughs> right. And it's like yeah. you're trying to create it. And it's not kind of like our last episode where we were talking about taste. Yeah. And like the gap of yeah. your aspirations not meeting your skill yet. Yeah. And it's just like everything that you make sucks. Yeah. And there's and that time where you're like, this is just like, this is just sheer, like boring and hard. And it's like garbage. Not, it's, yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, this is garbage. Like, this is yeah. not good what I'm making. Yeah. Yeah. Next and point is. The next point is the lowest point. Right. So you yeah. have this downward hill. It's just like a cliff, basically. Yeah. Basically, your like inspiration is just like, yeah, it's just slowly dying going downhill. And then that bottom uh, point is the dark night of the soul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're an artist, you hear these words, the dark night of the soul. And you're like, I know that. <laughs> it's when you're questioning your life. It's when you're questioning. It's like, am I even an artist? Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, it's like, you're, yeah, that's right. You're not even just questioning like your art or this project. You're like questioning your life. Yeah. It's just like, like, (laughs) who am I? Yeah. Like, I don't even like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. Um, And yeah. And it's funny because it's like from the best idea to the dark night of the soul could take five minutes. Yeah. So like, there's no like time frame on like this scale. It's just like this downward like thing. And then, so you're in that dark night of the soul. And then it moves on just slightly above, right? Yeah. Where you, you kind of like have a little bit of a turnaround. Yeah. And the next point is, it'll be good to finish because I'll learn something for next time. Yeah. Which is true. Like a lot of the times, for whenever we do finish a project, there is that turning point from the dark night of the soul where you're like, I should probably finish yeah, this. Yeah, just finish. Because like we talked about before, it's like every project that you finish, you learn two lessons. Right. That was my, that's pretty much like an average thing that I've learned. Right. You learn two lessons if you finish it. Right. So it's like, okay, let's just finish it so you can make sure we learned the two lessons or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final kind of point, it's a little bit higher than that is it's done and it sucks, (laughs) but not as bad as I thought. And that point is never as high as the best idea yeah, ever right. when yeah. you started with. Yes. So it's just kind of like this, oh my gosh, these yeah. arrows going down and then like outwards. Yeah. And the life of a project that just resonated with me. I think I sent it to you when I oh first my, saw yeah, it. Yeah. And it, totally. that's kind of like the stuff that he talks about in his books. And it's just, mm-hmm. give me a picture book, man. Like I love yeah, it. Like totally. I can just read through it very totally. easy. It's very accessible. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's okay. track two. Okay, cool. Awesome. Track three. Um, this is like kind of, this, this person is like kind of my, um, my like, if we can interview this person, it would be the best. And he was my, he was a contender for the, you know, the, you know, all time guest, all time guest of the, you know what I mean? Of like the century, the, yeah. that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I think that it's he he's he's not like that caliber of like the rock where it's just like you know like a huge celebrity he's like a, a like not he's not a huge celebrity but like he's to me like the most insightful person and right. maybe like one of the my top people that I would want to 
interview for the podcast and that's um ian mckay um are you familiar with ian mckay from no. the band he played in the band he played in two not one but two really um really monumental like bands minor threat was um one of his first bands and then later he played in a band called fugazi okay and um and it's a similar similar kind of thing to the steve albina where I was saying that he is just extremely principled and extremely well thought out and really understands his relationship to music and especially his relationship to what he wants to do with his music and not letting the music industry or the way things have always been done mm-hmm. shape him and um, and being just a really strong, incredibly um, principled and incredibly like um, consistent uh, person as far as really sticking to what he believes and really manifesting that in his bands and um, in how his bands operate. And I, I think uh, Fugazi was especially well, well known for this. And, um, and so if I were to give you a, a thing to listen to, I would say, li- I would say get uh, either the physical book or the audio book of Michael Azarad's our band could be your life. Um, and he's he's another person who I Michael Azar, I who I would also like really want to interview because this this book our band could be your life is amazing it's a, like I think like 13 14 chapters all about different bands um and the time period that he chose was from like the um early 80s to like mid 90s mm. and it's all of these bands who are just really all about the um all about uh kind of a, a DIY do it yourself um approach to music okay that is um these bands who not only make amazing music but who also like make an amazing approach and really their whole kind of band's existence is this artistic creative way of like this is what our ideals are this is what our beliefs are and we're going to form this band and we're going to act our band is going to act in this way that kind of lives out these these ideals and it's um and it's just like this amazing history of like people really m- doing amazing things with their band and, and doing, doing things that are driven by a purpose and not, and it's, it's just amazing. You have to read this book. Do you Our have, band could be your life. Do you have any examples of like what kind of things the bands did? So yeah, like I'll give you live some out st- that kind of mentality. Yeah. So I'll give you some stuff from Fugazi. Um, so Fugazi, one of their, one of their things was they would always, um, they would always uh, make sure that their shows were five dollars. Um, wow! No matter what, no matter like how, when they were Madison they were, Square Garden. Yeah, when they were just starting, when they were the, yeah, when they were just starting, when they were you know really really well known, mm-hmm. always five dollars because wow. they wanted um, they wanted everybody to uh, be able to get in, and they wanted um, another going along with this is they would always play all ages shows, oh. and it would um, and any show had to be all ages or they wouldn't play and. Um, and the uh, the uh, another thing is like they um, yeah so it's like all ages five dollars um, and the and if they if they were like showed up to a show and the promoter or whoever was like oh actually this isn't an all ages show uh, can't you just play a twenty one on up show this is um, they'd they would be like no we're like we're really not gonna do that and well so they really stood their yeah, ground on yeah yeah that was the thing yeah. is like they were very they would really stand their ground and they would um. And uh, one of the one of the band members is named Guy Pachotto, and he had this quote in the book, that "Our Band Could Be Your Life," where he says, "Like the what we learned was that um, no, and the ability to say no was the was the biggest bat we ever yielded." And so, like it, when they would show up to a, a, a show that a promoter was kind of trying to like cheat them around on, they'd just be like, "No, we're not playing." And, and they, and they got really good at that and they realized like they could really use that to be like, okay, we're, we're really sticking to our guns. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to, you know, flake us. When their lines are very clear in like what they want Mm -hmm. to do. Yep. And so. What year was this band? So Fugazi was like uh, late eighties to, and they played through throughout the nineties as well. Um, But yeah, they were, um, but yeah, they were always like always uh especially after i think around like the 90s they were like very into like touring all over all the time and um ian mckay kind of treated it like a like a um 
I don't know, like a challenge to like be like really stoic in this touring, like where they would, and they weren't touring like, it wasn't like a, like a rock star thing where they're like in motels and hotels or whatever. They would like always trying to, um, to keep it as low of a, of a budget as possible so that the ticket prices could be affordable and so that they could sell their albums for an affordable price because Ian McKay also started or kind of was one of the people behind starting this um, record label discord records who is like an you know just another bastion of like hope for like look at how they did things it was really cool yeah they would like discord records would like dumpster dive their like paper and their envelopes and their all this stuff and do all these things to keep their record prices low and wow. then they would pass on that savings so that, you know, so that a, a kid who's, you know, working a minimum wage job can afford to listen to good music. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, there's just all these decisions where, and so in, when they're out on the road touring, they, um, one of their like things to live by was that they, they didn't, they tried to find a, sh- a, a house that they could stay at, um, from, from somebody who was setting up the show. So like if it was at a house show, they would try to see if they can arrange to like stay at the house or whatever mm-hmm. because a it's cooler you meet cool people and you get to hang out with folks and um and b it's it's cheaper and so they would try to not stay at, at motels or hotels as if it was avoidable at all and um and so and it was cool because in the book he talks about there's this quote from Ian McKay where he's like saying that the um yeah like touring is hard and it's not it's like a challenge and it's like and he's like, but it's, there's something about like really like pushing yourself into this challenge and seeing what you can do. And like, he's like the analogy that he draws, he's like, he's like, it's like, why do people run? Why do people jog or why do people exercise? There's something about that. And I think that that's just cool that that's what touring was for him. It was this thing of like, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like this like luxurious thing. It was like, okay, I want to do this. And for the same reason that somebody wants to run every day, I want to play shows every day for the next month or something. Mm. And it's, um, yeah, I just thought that anyways, like just look up Ian McKay. There's a, um, awesome chapter in our band could be your life. There's a chapter about minor threat and there's a chapter about Fugazi both. Um, but yeah, and just, or just look up, uh, if you just look up online stuff about Ian, McKay, yeah, great. So he was, <laughs> he's track three for me. Nice. All right, track four. I don't know if this was just like how I thought when I was when I was younger, but track four always seemed like the banger. Oh like, yeah, okay. I don't know. I, I need to. I need I'm to look to back. Yeah. I need to look back at the albums that I used to listen to and see what track four was. But yeah. I remember always being like, track four is the best. Oh okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see who lives up to that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, and and. And uh, track four is another book, a uh, coming fr- uh, book recommendation coming from the guy who never reads books. Okay, <laughs> great. So, um, I want to introduce you guys to uh, an author named Stephen Pressfield. I'm sure yeah. a lot of um, artists already know about this book. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. But this is such a good track four. This is the, the, your track four is a banger. That it's a banger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Pressfield is such a good one. Yeah. yeah so Stephen Pressfield. Uh, He's an author. He wrote a few other books. Um, But the one I want to talk about is The War of Art. Um, The subline is Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. And in the way that Austin Kleon is my kind of go-to to to get encouraged, this one is more for like some tough love. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit of a kick in the ass a little bit. Um, And to, to summarize it, this book is diving into this concept of what's called the resistance. And the resistance is this concept that he, he makes it like some kind of mystical force, mm-hmm. but it could be self-created. But this idea of resistance is just this character within our like creative process that it's always like at work to go against our creativity. Mm-hmm. So, It'll do anything to stop us from creating something meaningful and good. And that comes through any means necessary, whether it's a form of um, how he puts it is like rationalizing fear, anxiety and distractions. So he talks a lot about what 
this quote unquote resistance can yeah. look like yeah. in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it just, whenever I read it, it's kind of like, Oh, he's right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, you're trying to create something. And then initially you're always, or for me, you're always rationalizing how it won't work. Yeah. It might not be relevant to you. Cause I, I like feel like you're okay. a little yeah. bit more, open in that way but i'm sure you have different like anxieties and fears yeah when you're dealing with creativity yeah that could come up yeah yeah my my kind of like take of like my understanding of when he talks about resistance is kind of like that it's not only the rationalizing i feel like that's one manifestation that resistance sure. can take is like rationalizing oh this can't work because but it's also like these other just basically any way that your brain is telling you like, Oh, I don't want to do this today. Or, Oh, like let's not do this or let's right. Procrastination yeah, is another yeah, way to, yeah. that it manifests mm-hmm. itself because you're, you're busy about doing something or you don't have enough time. Yeah. Um, there's just all of these different reasons why the resistance comes yeah, and just exactly. completely shuts down your creativity. Definitely. And it's really interesting because I'm putting the pieces together now where in the same way that Joseph Gordon-Levitt says that paying attention, what was the title of the uh, get, uh, of the video? Cr- how craving, how atten- craving attention uh, makes you less creative. Makes you less creative, yeah. and and the solution of paying attention makes you more creative in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And yes, yes. the way Stephen Pressfield kind of combats resistance is through actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. and sitting down and actually showing up that's how he puts mm-hmm. it was just like actually show up mm-hmm. um and that is the same sentiment of paying attention yeah. you actually sitting there showing up doing the work and if you are consistent with it what will come out of it mm-hmm. is what he calls the muse everybody knows the muse mm-hmm. is like this inspiration yeah. and he's saying that the muse is kind of it ex- it's there it's just waiting for you to show up mm-hmm. and sit there and like actually put in the work mm-hmm. um i'll read a quote about the muse that he writes the muse likes it when we show up even if we're terrified even if we got no- even if we've got nothing to say if we have no idea what we're doing our actions have demonstrated respect for her we have shown guts will and determination we're not candy asses. We are warriors. The muse likes that. Mm, yeah. So he's he's very much into that deep work concept of yes, actually definitely. showing up and doing the work for your inspiration to come and fight resistance that happens yes, every day. Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. I love his stuff. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. I would love to interview him. Yeah. Great. Yep. Is that good? Cool. Yeah. Um. Okay, so another one for me would be, um, a, so there's the next two people are kind of like, I don't know which order they should be in, but um, uh, I'll go with uh, this person named Adam uh, Caress or Caress, C-A-R-E-S-S. Adam C-A-R-E-S-S. So look him up and he wrote this book that just like changed my life recently. It's called The Day Alternative Music Died. Oh yeah, you were talking yeah. about that. And it, it's like, so this was like, I could not put it down. Like I was reading it and I would like take it and while I was brushing my teeth, I like couldn't stop reading it. And so I like learned to like brush my teeth with like one hand and read with the other. Um because it was like so you were physically reading the book. Yeah. Oh, oh physically man. reading it. It wasn't an audiobook. It's not on audiobook, unfortunately. You just have to read pages. Um but yeah, the day the day alternative music died, um, subtitled Dylan Zeppelin, Punk Glam, Alt Majors, Indies, and the Struggle Between Art and Money for the Soul of Rock. Whoa. Yeah, it's so good. It's um so he talks about kind of the history of rock and roll through this lens of seeing rock and roll as this struggle between art and money um, and the struggle between two kind of competing um, competing kind of cravings that are, that are going on within a lot of these artists mm-hmm. that he talks about the 
craving for substantial art and creating substantial art and the on the other side the the craving for um for like recognition or um for like commercial success and just and his way of explaining it through that lens makes you be like oh my gosh this does make sense when you look at it like when you look at it like that you can just see so much kind of it's so illuminating to look at it through that lens yeah um and yeah and so just his like understanding of the history of music and the state of music currently is something that i think is just so um, incredible and like really game changing for me mm-hmm. and i i would love to have him on the podcast because i think that 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 kind of understanding of the history of music and the state of music currently would be just really illuminating for a lot of bands out there or people who are interested in um, in making music or in kind of what we're doing with Dogtown Studio and anyone who's interested in making music and doing it in a different way or doing it in whatever way is more aligned with your principles is should definitely like check out this this book. I can't find anything else by him really. Um, How when was the book published? It was published in 2015. Okay. So it's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's relevant to still like... Totally. He talks about streaming. Much, yeah. He talks about all of this kind of stuff. And I think that it's like, the thing is, is that these things have changed so fast that we're, we're living through this like political shift. And it's like, it's easy to not recognize that it happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh. And just to like go through your life, like with the same kind of like expectations that you had in the year 2000 and it's like oh my gosh since the year 2000 like a monumental shift has happened in the music industry right but since we've lived every day between those two it doesn't necessarily feel like it and it's like um and his book just does a good job of of illuminating those things and be like hey look this is what happened and this is how it's it's different now and um, even though it doesn't feel, you know, even though it doesn't feel necessarily maybe that different in your life, it's, um, I think just giving that, giving the context and giving an adequate kind of explanation and adequate understanding of the current context that we're living in is really, really important. Yeah. Um, to see what's going on and, you know, see what opportunities exist now that didn't exist before and what things existed before that don't exist now. And it's, um, yeah. And so that you're, I basically just like the idea is that, after after reading this book after talking with him hopefully maybe we could like i think that that would um (laughs) i think that that would kind of just give a lot more illumination to that yeah to like what is happening now and what how what to do in light of that i guess do you know what i mean it would be so crazy to actually be able to talk to some of these people that were like listing out loud i think we I think we can. I think it's totally We can do possible. it, guys. I think it's totally po- like if Steve Albini is down to record an album for like however like just the normal rate, I think that he would be down to like, do you know what I mean? To yeah, talk, talk about Cuz he's I've seen him talk with like other like on YouTube, I look up like Steve Albini like interview. Mm-hmm. And he talks with I think people who are I don't know. Yeah. Like just, no, normal. I think that he would talk to normal people is what I'm trying to yeah. say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah, that would be so cool. He he yeah, I think that a lot of the I think a lot of the people are like just really want like pe- want other people to be making awesome music and want yeah. other people to be making awesome art. And so I think that it I don't know, I'm I'm crossing my fingers and I think that it's the type of thing where we could actually, you know, talk to yeah, some people like this and um yeah. Yeah, cuz a lot of the visions that we have for Dogtown Studios a lot a lot of it is inspired by a lot of things that we're reading, a lot of the things that we're watching. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. hopefully, you know, it's all in line with how Steve Albini thinks. I hope so. And then so. he's like, oh, yeah, That's I like great. these guys. <laughs> yeah. If Steve Albini is like, I like these guys, that would be so sweet. <laughs> I feel like he has a high, like, standard for liking people. Or at least, maybe not high, but it's like, you just can't be a... You can't be a joke and Steve Albini will like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to be legit. You got to be in real. In some way. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if Ian Mackay was like, yeah, like you guys are real. Like we'll do a podcast with you. That's like, oh my gosh, I'm real. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, be, Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, like that would be awesome. I would not be Coming out. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's awesome. Anyways, okay. So that, I forget what track we're on, but Adam Caress, The Alternative Music Died. Check it out.
Nice. Must read. You ready for my last one? Yes. Um, All right. So I talked about someone who encouraged me, someone to give me tough love. This one is someone I use to be inspired. Okay. And just like think of different possibilities of what it, what something could be. Yeah. Um, And the person I want to share with you um, is an artist named Tom Sachs. If you're familiar with um, Casey Neistat, Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically who Casey Neistat's mentor yeah. was. He worked awesome. for Tom Sachs for a while, for a long time in his mm-hmm. studio, and it, it kind of developed Casey Neistat's aesthetics when it came to how he created his studio space yeah. and some of his the way he edits and tells stories. Yeah, totally. Um, oh shit! Can... <laughs> I turned on the uh, the Bing the like messenger on my computer, which I. I usually have it off. Sorry. And now Tom Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> Tom just messaged me. Oh, that's Tom? What are yeah. you saying? He said... He says talk about the he, keynote? Yeah. I think that's what he said. So just, yeah, why don't you go ahead and okay. talk about that? So Tom Sachs, just to explain him, he's he's an artist that lives in New York City. He's, he's best known for really unique art pieces, like sculptures almost. But like sometimes they're like on a huge scale. Yeah. Like installation art. Kind installation of art yeah. that it's it's very much an experience and the way i kind of ex- uh, how to explain it is it's a very unique aesthetic mm-hmm. where if you see his art you know it's him yeah you might totally. mistake it for casey neistat because you're so used to seeing casey neistat yeah but it really is tom Sachs. yeah that actually vi- started yeah. that kind of look that aesthetic it's so tom Sachs. yeah yeah and the way to explain his aesthetic is if you're not seeing it the way i would explain it is just he's creating art that exhibits that a human made it Mm -hmm. so it's very imperfect art Mm -hmm. the way he creates a sculpture yeah he does it in a way where he wants to show that it's very handmade yeah and um a really great quote that i had from him that I got for um, as an example is where he talks about that, where he says the tragedy of the iPhone, which is like this perfectly crafted mm-hmm. like device. The tragedy of the iPhone is there's no evidence that a human was, that a human being was there. Yeah. So the tragedy of the iPhone is that there's no evidence that a human being was there. Yeah. totally. And then he, another quote, he goes, a cracked tile in a bathroom which is considered an eyesore, gives information. Yeah. So huh. through like the imperfections, yeah, he finds um, this kind of subliminal information. I think that's what he's what he's getting yeah. at. Uh-huh. Um, so a couple things, if you want to start looking into Tom Sachs, a couple things to start watching first. If you want something really short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will look up Tom Sachs inside my studio. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. It's like that's a four. So it's like a four-minute. It's like a New York Times piece or something like that. Yeah, it's just a quick explanation of who he is, what he does. Uh-huh. Um, if you need something like a short intro to him, mm-hmm. but if you want a long intro to him, I would look up um, the keynote speech he had about authenticity. Oh, cool. I haven't heard this. Yeah, it's so good. And he that's basically what he's talking about with when it comes to the finding information through the cracks. Okay. Awesome. Um, because oh, sweet. You know, it's just to him it's not interesting to see this like smooth, polished kind of robot made thing. Yeah. He wants to see art that's made by a human being yeah and it, it kind of like it's like his mark on like the history books yeah of like he made that mm-hmm. um so once you watch those i think these next two videos are gonna be like so inspiring because mm-hmm. it is to me yeah it's two videos one is called 10 bullets which is essentially like the principle and rules that he has his studio lives and breathes by Yes. He it's weird. He he becomes very like rule oriented. Yeah. When it comes to yeah. his studio space. Uh-huh. But his art is so all over the place, kinda like imperfect mm-hmm. cracks yeah. here and there. It's really interesting that that juxtaposition of like he has specific rules 
Yeah. That he wants his team to like follow to the T. Yeah. Right? So there's 10 bullets that list out all those rules. And then he has another one called Color, a comprehensive guide, a comprehensive color guide book mm-hmm. where specific colors, it'll go into color theory. Yeah. He picks specific colors that he wants to use for his work. Mm. And he sticks to those palettes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was really inspiring because it made me think about when you're an artist, you have all of these creative choices of even as simple as color. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to use here? What am I going to use there? Where it's like, maybe you pick a certain palette for this period of your life as a yeah. creative person. And then you stick with that palette. Like mm-hmm. for me, I haven't got quite quite gone like with a color, but like I know for fonts, like whenever I make stuff, I there's like two or three I pick from. Oh really? And I just kind of stick to those. Yeah. And then I've noticed that like if, even if I promote stuff with text on it and it just has that font, I do it so much that it's just kind of like oh that looks like something that I made. Yeah. Because sweet. I know that font. Yeah. And like, right. yeah. Awesome. And like specific colors, like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a really cool way to look at it, where yeah. there's certain rules, but he's also breaking them at the same time. Yeah. That's weird. And like the limitations are like helpful. Yes, in a way. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 So that w- that would be another recommendation is Tom Sachs. Yeah, and it's S A C H S. Yes. So when you're like, thanks. Out. Yeah, that's yeah. a good good call. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's let's throw out like lightning round of a few of our other people that we had. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, one of mine is Dean Spade, who's never heard of him. not a musician, but okay. he's a, uh, he's a activist and writer and um, just amazing, just amazing like political perspectives. Um, so if you look up anything by by him, there's a there's a good uh, keynote address that he gave. Uh, if you look up Dean Spade Clags Kessler Award Lecture, C L A G S. Um, I think just like the, as far as, um, and he also did a a video that, that he and I worked on together, actually, uh, mutual aid and it's, uh, oh my gosh, what is this called? (laughs) I, this is, it's a, it's a video that he and I worked on, um, uh, together. I did the visuals for it and it's called shit's totally fucked. What can we do? A mutual aid explainer. Nice. And, um, and he's, he's just a friend of mine who, he has these insights that uh, political insights and this way of explaining them that are that's really understandable to um, to, to people who aren't in this like academic activisty world mm. and explaining it in clear language and um, and his that's so needed yes yeah. it seriously is and it's like the reason that I would love to have him on this podcast specifically is because he and I have had some really good conversations about, about like creating and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and about the way that, um, the way that creativity and capitalism are related and the way that like creativity and politics are related in our current day. And, um, and I think that just like the overlap of those things and the intersection of those things is something that I think is so impactful and so invisible um and it's so easy to overlook and so easy to just to just kind of be like oh this is just the way things are but dean has this way of being able to be like this is this is a way that kind of capitalism and the um political structure can affect your personal lives and the way that you're have to interact with the world as a creator Mm. and taking it out of this theoretical world into this world of like oh this is actually something that I can understand something I can see in my real life and being able to kind of like see these connections to the economy to the political sphere wow where you might not have seen them before you might have just been like oh that's just the way it is yeah um yeah so I think that's super valuable I think someone who can like who's able to explain it to any facet Mm -hmm. of understanding like any level of understanding if you can explain it very well and communicate it communicate the concepts very well it it shows me that they're very knowledgeable of yeah the totally subject. totally like have you seen i think there's like a few videos that are like this like a musician explains yes like, complicated, to different levels to, yeah yeah to like a, right to a child and then to like a teenager mm-hmm. and then to like a 
somebody who's studying music in mm-hmm. college and then to like a professional like yeah and so he explains this expert knowledge at five different levels of right. expertise or whatever yeah i always gauge my understanding if i could if i feel comfortable being able to explain it to all these different levels then yeah. it means i have some kind of knowledge in it right yeah um totally okay uh yeah who else do you have to throw out there some of the runner-ups that I have, just really great videos to watch. Um, John Mayer's songwriting workshops at Berkeley. Mm. And it's really funny because he dropped out of Berkeley. <laughs> and now he's probably like this honorary uh, member. Yeah, right. But he has just a couple. There's, he does a few years where he's doing like these hour workshops in front of students where yeah. he's talking about the songwriting process. Yeah, he's really open about what his songwriting process is and uh-huh. some uh, useful kind of tips for songwriters. Mm-hmm. And I, j- it was just, I don't know, I, I like watching it and I can keep watching it over and over. Yeah, totally. If you're someone who likes his music or is into the songwriting process and also watching him work some stuff out, because there was actually mm-hmm. one one clip where he's playing a song and he's showing them that this is a track that I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it sounds like one of his songs. Oh yeah. So it's like, you see like the birth of this song mm-hmm. come about. Um, the song was called assassins. Like it oh, became okay. a song eventually, yeah. but like at that time where he was showing them about like chord progression and how it needs to be interesting because blah, blah, blah. Huh he plays this chord progression and then I don't know, years down the line, it turns into this song called assassins. Yeah. And it's cool that there's this video of that, him oh, sharing really? that with like yeah. the students at, at the school at the time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was just, it's just really cool videos That's to sweet. watch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, another one of mine, uh, I kind of mentioned Michael Azarad from our band could be your life. He's the one who wrote that. So he's the one who compiled all of those people's oh, okay. stories. I would love to interview him too. Um, another person is, uh, Kathleen Hanna from bikini kill. She was, uh, very involved in the riot girl movement and, um, just someone who I think would have a really amazing, like, uh, just a really amazing perspective on the, kind of like overlap of like politics, music, yeah. um, you know, being in a band, what it means, what it can mean, what it can look like to start a movement. That's like, cause there's, there's this whole, there's a, it's one thing to like start a band and start a band that's influential in a, in a certain way, but it's like a, another, like a meta thing to like start a band. That's a part of this kind of like movement. That's more, this is about more than just, you know, getting known or getting money or getting fame or whatever for yourself. It's about, you know, making this, making this push in this coordinated direction politically. And so I think that she would be one, somebody with a really good insight about that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one is more of just like a cool video Yeah. that this is like, this would be sweet to watch. I mean, I would love to have them as guests as well, but I'm talking about, um, Maggie Rogers. Have you heard of Maggie Rogers? So she's like blown up now. Mm. She's a huge artist. Um, and then there's this video of her. I just found out that it was called the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. So okay. Clive Davis is this like famous producer at the time. Oh, okay. A long time ago. Um, huh. I think he started a record label, Clive Davis. I want to say, oh, my music history really? knowledge. Clive Davis. Can you look this up? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say J Records. Okay. Or Arista. 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 Let me see. Clive Davis, American producer. Um, industry executive, um, Arista. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah. So J records and Arista records. Oh yeah. Come on. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's, yeah. You're right. Good job. So he had like, I guess he had a, a, a school mm-hmm. and Maggie Rogers was a student. Oh, okay. And Pharrell, the producer oh. came in for a master class. Oh, okay. Right. So he's the teacher of the class probably picked two or three of his top students oh wow for them to for rel to listen to their tracks oh i mean wow Wow, that's crazy right yeah so you could see um a couple uh people listening to uh, pharrell listening to their tracks and then 
Maggie comes up and introduces her song called Alaska. Okay. And the face, Pharrell's face, when he heard this track, <laughs> he was just so shocked. Wow. And just like he heard something different. Um, and just like after the song was done, he was like, you're going to do special things. Oh, wow. Nice. And like That's so cool. to see someone who's just like a student in like a school or something like that. Yeah. And then with the knowledge of who she is now, mm-hmm. it's to me, that's just like a cool video. Yeah. I, I would love to have that's Pharrell amazing. or Maggie that, Rogers on sweet. the podcast. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm sure she gets interviewed about that specific moment. Really? So many times. But I mean, she's performed SNL. She's like oh, wow. uh, arenas. This is awesome. I didn't yeah. know that. I have to check her um, out. That oh video is so cool. Maggie Rogers. Yeah. And what's the name of the video you said? Uh, Alaska and Pharrell, maybe. Okay. I'm going to look it up on YouTube so I can figure out what the thing is maggie is it m-a-g-g-i-e yep maggie rogers Mm -hmm. alaska Mm -hmm. okay it should have the one where so masterclass for pharrell williams maggie rogers 1.6 million views yeah sweet i'm gonna check that out um okay so that's how that's basically all the people i have yeah then i have two people who are like Maybe this should be our like shoot for the moon, okay, person. All right, um, and one of them is, and these are not necessarily like the people who I think are would be the most insightful. Sure, because I think the a lot of the people who I think would be most insightful are people who are, I think, more accessible. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> um, but there are some people. I agree. Yeah. So, so these are um, so these are people who are like pretty not accessible, <laughs> but would be kind of like a uh, shoot for the moon. And so one is Jack White. Oh, yeah. Who would That's just be your guy right he there? He'd just be fun to talk to. Yeah. And I would just, you know, like he's from Detroit. Uh huh. He has this like way of talking that's like fun. And he would seem to like it'd be fun to hang out. That would be like a huge. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, he was such a huge influence on you. You were yeah. saying the story like in junior high. Yeah. He's totally. what shifted your perspective on music. Yeah, totally. I mean, just from a fan perspective, let's have him on the podcast. Jack, welcome. Yeah. Oh man. You're invited. Yeah. Stop on by. Yeah. I feel like I know who you're going to your second one's going to be. Yeah, do you? You probably do. Cuz I, I think that we we've talked about Should we say it on 3? Yeah. All right. 1 2 3. Dave, Dave Grohl. Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I knew, I just yeah. I felt like that was where you were going. Yeah, because it's like he's so cool. They would just be so good to hang out with. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Are you you listen to like when he has like commencement speeches? Yeah, or just podcast episodes yeah. or interview episodes. Yeah, he just gets it, yeah. and he has this cool way that he explains things. But he's very smart. Yeah, he's yeah. smart, but he's also like somebody who's like really funny and like yeah he seems like he has a good sense of humor came into the room and we're like talking it just seems like we just like laugh really hard and like weird things i don't know yeah i feel like he would have a really good grasp on energy Uh, of course he does like he he performs in front of people he yeah that's one thing like at some point i want to talk about is where like you have specific artists who understands how to control energy yeah in the room yeah and i feel like he would like walk in here and like know our vibe yeah without even talking to him yeah and then he would just like oh yeah totally yeah start going and like talking to us yeah what okay so when i was thinking about coming up with this podcast one my earlier idea when it was in the like this is the best idea ever Uh stage when it was at that point yeah was like oh i should get little sound clips from everyone that i would that i'm talking about yeah and then that just didn't happen because it was too hard. <laughs> yeah. But my thought was that for the Dave Grohl ones, they would all there. Were, There's so many good clips of him just like being, just like like laughing or making funny noises on interviews or just. Yeah. There's this one. There's this one clip where he's like talking about how like when he gets nervous before a show, he just goes like. Bah! Yeah. <laughs> he's very free. That would be like his like you're like steve albini say this like very like noam chomsky sounding like like i intellectual thing and then yeah. you're like other people say these intellectual things and then dave Grohl will be like yeah i go Lah. yeah but there's like uh, the thing is there's like intelligence in that there is yeah. there's super intelligence in that and for some reason i we we grasp that 
and like yeah. I, you totally. have, you cherish those people yeah, because there's that not that a, many of yeah, them. Yeah, it is. It's definitely like the very wild type yeah. of energy, but somehow he's figured out how to like harness it. Yeah, right. And like be able to communicate it. Yeah, totally, totally. And he is, he has an interesting backstory because he kind of like crossed paths with all of these people with a lot of these people that I was talking about, like, like the Ian McKay, like he, cause Dave Grohl grew up in like in the East coast, I think in the DC scene. And he like saw a minor threat and was in that kind of political, like underground punk scene. And then like, you know, went over to Olympia, uh, into Washington when he was playing with Nirvana and was like crossing paths with like Kathleen Hanna and, um, and all these people too, and then recorded his album with Steve Albini. Yeah, and so he's he he he's legit. He has a legit background too. Yeah, um, and just like really cool sounding. So that would be so rad. Okay, so oh, so if you if you want to see something cool from him, look up the South by Southwest keynote address that Dave Grohl did. It was really really good. I thought. So South by Southwest keynote from him. Yeah. So I think what my idea was as like the the guest for us. Yeah. I think Dave Grohl's up there for sure. Yeah. And he's probably the top. The one that I was thinking of simply because it's kind of like a almost like a full circle yeah. type thing for you and me specifically. Yeah. Would be Casey Neistat. Yeah, that would be cool too. I yeah. think just that would be cool. just because I feel like a lot of Dogtown Studio was birthed from this idea of you and I like talking about Casey Neistat vlogs. Yeah. And his and his his aesthetic and his kind of like his he has a similar person who has these a, a similar approach, a very dedicated and disciplined approach. Yeah. And I think that that's what we both kind of caught on to. Right. It's this really disciplined approach, this kind of thing where there's rules and there's Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I'll do whatever I feel like. It's like, I have to do this. Yeah. This is the rule. You know? Yeah. And, and now he has a unique perspective because yeah. he was such on this rise, like meteoric rise when it comes to YouTube. Yeah. And he's more recently taken time off mm -hmm. because of like the craziness of it. Yeah. It'd be really interesting. And I think there's more and more um, like podcasts recently that's been coming out of him explaining kind of that process of yeah um how he's dealt with the rise and then like now kind of like cutting it out a little bit yeah cutting out of social media yeah um it would just be really interesting one to just that'd be yeah that'd be cool. celebrate us like being completely hyped for him when yeah, he was first starting be, yeah yeah like i mean that's just kind of like cool yeah and then also to see like what the deep level what he thinks creation should be uh -huh. from someone who's been at like the highest high yeah who yeah totally yeah and what it's what it's about coming from him yeah definitely yeah and he's another person who seems like fun like he seems like he'd yeah. be funny and fun to hang out with yeah um totally yeah all right that's it uh i don't know how many tracks that was but it's a lot of tracks of a playlist. So I hope that you found, uh, some new people that you want to look up and, um, yeah. 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 We'll just beatbox this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to shut it off right now. <laughs> Please.